DJ and PK. PK with the day off, missing a juicy day. The Houston Chronicle reporting the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma have had talks, realignment, expansion, a 16-team league to massive brand names, apparently a huge payday for an already wealthy conference. Will it happen? How serious are these talks? Barry Trammell, our friend from the Oklahoma and NewsOK.com, joins us again. Barry, good morning. Well, how's things in Salt Lake? A little <laughs> bit more stable than down here? Well, yes. On the for Great the, American Plains? Yes, for the time being. But if Oklahoma and Texas go, well, what do Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, and the rest of the Big 12 do? How does it impact uh, BYU? How do the big dogs in the Pac-12, USC and Oregon, what do they think about watching the SEC? I mean, if they make more money, they're just going to make sure that they hire the best coaches, that if it doesn't work out, they've got the money to buy them out and move on to the next best coach. And everybody else is thinking, how do I hold on to my coaches and my coordinators? Because these guys are going to have so much money. That is, I mean, the money's one thing. The average fan isn't going to get their hands on that money. They're not going to get better vacations or nicer homes or whatever. But they want their team to win. And if every time they get a good coach, they get hired away. Colorado had the coach for one day, and Michigan State paid him so much money. He was gone in Colorado. Three coaches, three years. That's not an ideal plan. But they got more money, so that's the plan you got to deal with. So, yeah, we're more stable than you guys, but it doesn't feel like by much or for long. Well, this is a very advantageous phone call because you're going to enlighten me (laughs) what is what what's the pac-12's outlook on possible expansion and teams and go to the pac-16 and so um, uh from an athletic standpoint there are possibilities and we can discuss their pluses and minuses but the academic people run the league and they want people of a similar academic profile they want public schools not private they want research institutions. They are collaborating in ways that uh, they, I won't say they're hidden, but they're not completely obvious. There was a story that came out a while ago that isn't much talked about several years ago about the University of Utah opening a satellite campus in South Korea. How is that progressing? Have they shut it down? I couldn't really tell you. So they're doing all these things that involve a lot more money than sports, and they let those things drive the sports, which might be why Pac-12 sports is where they are. You know, they, they have no interest in bringing in a private school like BYU, a school like Boise State where they think the academics aren't good enough. San Diego State and Fresno State, I mean, I went to a UC, and my parents, my uh, dad went to San Diego State, my mom went to UC Santa Barbara. There's always been a split between the UC and the Cal State system. The UC schools do not want to be in a league with the Cal State schools. They look down their nose at them. I, the kids at, at UC Santa Barbara chanted, state school, state school at Long Beach State. I mean, the divide is real. <laughs> so they've never wanted to do any of that. Maybe they have to reconsider. But I just think geography is working against them. There simply aren't as many people. Even if you add BYU and Boise State and Hawaii and whoever else on this part of the country, I'm wondering – Will they come in and try to take the rest of the Big 12 and say, hey, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and Kansas and whoever else they can get their hands on, if they can even get their hands on them? Well, I mean, I think they could get their hands on them, and that's sort of where I'm coming from is, you know, uh, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Kansas or Kansas State, um, Iowa State. I don't know you know, how, how deep they want to go, but um, those are – 
big-time athletic programs. Um, they all have new stadiums. They all have tremendous athletic facilities. They're all very good in a variety of sports. Um, Oklahoma State, in particular, plays really good football. It's been the second-best program in the Big 12 for the last 11 years. But they don't necessarily meet that academic profile that you're talking about. Um, it's a land-grant institution, and those are generally looked down upon. So um, I don't know, but it's a uh, to me the, uh, a Pac-16 with an with an Eastern division of Utah, Colorado, the Arizona schools, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas, Iowa State, whoever it might be, would be really interesting. Well, I can you know, tell one, one of the advantages, I mean, and this is, again, not talking academics, which is a huge hurdle, but from a, from a uh, television package, you know, the Pac-16 would become a four-window league. You could, yeah. You know, you could, have, you could start games at 11 a.m. in Stillwater, Oklahoma, or Manhattan, Kansas. Yep. You know, be playing at 11 a.m. Central, and then be playing at 9.30 p.m. Central, which I guess 8.30 Mountain. You know, in Seattle or Eugene or Corvallis or wherever. That is all true. Now, none of that will have to come to pass if the Big 12 stays together, but is the Big 12 staying together? I mean, Oklahoma and Texas, they're talking now, but is the money good enough that they're going to go? The money is, I think, you know, this is a two-sided decision. Does OU and Texas want to go? Does the SEC want them? I think uh, OU and Texas have decided to go. The money is too good. Uh, we're hearing, that, you know, the Big 12 payout is about 38 million a year. The last, the last go around to each school. <laughs> we're hearing that it could, you know, OU in Texas and the SEC could push it past 60 million a year, yeah. 22 million dollars a year. You can't say no to that, I don't think. Um, so that means that the SEC say yes and um for the sec i think sec teams made 44 million a year uh, last time around so 16 million extra um you know that's a lot of that's a lot of money to say no to texas a&m would say no to it because they don't want any part of texas in the league with them but does missouri does does south carolina can you know does any of those teams say no any of those schools say no. Seems like a long shot that they would say no. Seems like a long shot. So would are the other – let's assume then that Oklahoma and Texas, for a 50% raise, decide to move. And by the way, a lot of people in America, for a 50% raise, would decide to move. So let's not throw too many stones at glass houses. So there's eight teams left in the Big 12 at that point. Do they all jump and try to find their own league, or do they stick together and say, let's find two, four more teams and keep plugging along? Because we got a, we got a good thing going here, and there still is a place for us. And there are going to be six conference champions, apparently, in this new playoff formula who get in. Oklahoma's been winning all the time. Now one of us is going to win, and we're going to elevate our program. I think your latter point is solid. I think – Big 12 football could make a go of it with the 12-team format, no doubt about it. Um, I I just think financially it's going to be a hit, a major hit. Yeah. 
because Oklahoma and Texas are such bell cows of the Big 12, and whatever the whatever the payout is, whatever the contract is with Fox and ESPN, next time around it's going to be significantly less for a reduced conference. It won't fall down into the Mountain West or American Conference range, but it would not be anywhere near what the, what the other Power Five conferences are making. So I think the first option for those schools in Oklahoma State, a Tech, a Kansas, Kansas State, whoever, the first option would be landing somewhere else, and that's clearly the Pac-12. I think that's the only viable option. Um, and then so, you know, sort of sustaining the Big 12 would be plan B. You know, the question, you know, one of the things I worry about is, you know, where, are there going to be enough slots for everybody to land in? Baylor and TCU probably in bad shape. You said it well. Pac-12 is not going to take them. Um, what would the ACC look at? Would the ACC, you know, would the ACC consider West Virginia? They're like the Pac-12 in that they're a little bit academic snobbery. But the ACC did take Louisville to replace Maryland about in 13 or 14. Louisville is not, you know, Oxford or Cambridge. So, you know, would they, would they hold their nose and take West Virginia also? Um, I would hope so. I love the Mountaineers. I hope they have a good landing spot. That's my, that's my biggest problem with all this is there's some schools I really like and, um, and I'm really uh, respect and, and think a lot of that could get left out in the cold. Baylor, if something happens to Baylor, I don't really care. Baylor can't stay out of its own way. But Iowa State is nothing but a great school and a great a bunch of people that really try hard and they turn their football into something special in the last few years. And you know they could get left out in the cold. And you know that's the kind of that's the thing I just hate. Uh, I think teams will get left out in the cold. This is uh, it's all collegial until it's not. And as soon as you start talking about twenty-five and fifty percent raises, Iowa State, mm, good luck. You're going to get left out in the cold at that point. Yeah, um, you know the Big Ten. Will the Big Ten decide? Hey, we got to we got to get to sixteen. Kansas would seem like a sort of a natural for the Big Ten. They're a member of the American Associations. Of, of universities, the AAU, that's a Big Ten sort of requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa State is also, um, does, I, does the Big Ten want Iowa State and Iowa? Does Iowa want Iowa State in? I can answer that for you, Barry. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I heard that they're a little more civilized than in places like Oklahoma and, and Utah, maybe. Yeah, okay. I actually heard Iowa might be okay with Iowa State being in. I don't know if that's true, but I mm-hmm. heard that. One good thing is 10, 12 years ago when all we had the big realignment shuffle, it was all based on cable households. Mm-hmm. How many households have cable uh, in, in your geographic footprint? That's out the door. That doesn't matter anymore. Um cable the streaming is what matters now and that means how many eyeballs care about your team and Iowa State's got a good fan base and um, just because they're in the state of Iowa doesn't really affect that so 
uh, I think they would have a shot at the Big Ten if the Big Ten wanted to expand and wanted to go with AAU teams. Um, but you never know. So Kansas would be a solid Kansas basketball. You know, that, that would be a, a streaming gold mine for whoever has KU. So I think Kansas will land somewhere solid, whether it's the Pack or the Big Ten. But, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know about the Iowa States and the Kansas States and the West Virginias. So you think we're going to four 16-team conferences? Is everyone going to have to follow the SEC? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think you have to. You know, back, back uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, it seemed like we needed to because it looked like that was going to be the pathway to a 14 playoff. Well, we got there anyway, and now we're going to 12. So conference alignment with the 12-team playoff really doesn't mean much. So the Big, 12, the Big Ten, for instance, doesn't have to respond if the SEC goes 16. The, a, the ACC doesn't have to respond. The Pac-12 doesn't have to respond. Um, now, I think the Pac, you, you'd know more than me, but it seems like the Pac might be the most likely to expand because they've been sort of, what's the word, stagnant. Mm-hmm. They've been just sort of, you know, they've been left out of, of the playoff more often than not. Um, their revenues have not risen the way uh, they have in, the, in, in some of the other conferences. So they might be interested in just shaking it up uh, from an athletic side. And as you said, the academic side is much different, and who knows what would happen there. But um, – you don't have. I, I don't think we're necessarily going to four sixteens. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing forcing that. I would say, there's nothing forcing that. Yeah, I, I think the hard read in the Pac-12 here is they have a brand new commissioner. Presidents are are turning over all the time, and I think the well, I don't think it's been well reported by multiple people that the previous commissioner. Um, had a very small circle, and he really didn't go beyond that circle. So now, whether it's people who didn't have a voice before who are now going to have a voice because a new commissioner is going to have a new circle and maybe a bigger circle and just the inevitable turnover, there could be some new voices at the table in the Pac-12. Now, maybe the new voices came up through the old system, we'll just echo what the old voices said. But, you know, I don't know those people, and those people are new, and so that remains. And there's now new pressures on the system, right? The playoff changes, the size of these other league changes. What doesn't change is they're generating more money, and they're going to hire your coaches away if your coaches have success. Yeah. Let me ask you, what do you think of the, the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado, those four? What would their impression be of of expansion and a little less connection with the West Coast schools? They don't like um, it at all. They're here for USC. USC is the biggest game of the year. They love having USC on campus. They sell a gazillion tickets, regardless of whether they're mediocre or good or great themselves. So they want that connection. I think so the that, okay. only way to handle it and I think the Pac-12 has to do this anyway because of the playoff. I think the Pac-12 is going to have to get rid of divisions. In this new format with six conference champs in and then six 
the next six highest ranked teams in. The risk is you have a team in one division that is, say, 11 and 1 and ranked, I don't know, seventh in the country. But in your other division, somebody's 8 and 4 and 9 and 3. And they pull an upset, you could knock yourself out of the playoff. Your champion wouldn't be good enough to get in, and the team that was good enough to get in just lost to this 8-4, and 9-3 and three team. They're going to drop like a rock and be out. You can't risk that. So I think what we might see, and I think this makes sense if they do go to 16, is four groups of four, and you have three permanent opponents, which would appeal to the California teams because they want to maintain those rivalries. They've tweaked the schedule now, so they still play every year, even though they're split between the North and South divisions. It would appeal to the Oregon and Washington schools because there are multiple rivalries there. In-state's a big deal, but that Oregon-Washington game is huge. It's a big rivalry. So maybe you just have three permanent opponents, and the other six you just rotate around the league. Would you still – would you have division – so you no. just uh, you'd have, have one thing, title game, and you'd have a title game. What, what the Big Twelve has right now, the top two teams play. Top two teams. Well, that's interesting. Which you would well, need yeah. because you would yeah. risk having two undefeated teams, right, or two one-loss teams that didn't play each other. And how do you really have a conference champion? And if you don't have a conference champion, what was the point of the conference? Well, the TV yeah. contracts were the point of the conference, but you know, on the field, you still need a champion. Yeah, that's well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Um, yeah, that would be quite that would be quite uh, interesting. I tell you, the if if OU and Texas leave the Big Twelve, whoever is the top of the line remainder as far as what the Pac twelve sees, mm-hmm. and I think it'd probably be Oklahoma State and Kansas because of basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can tell you, they would be amenable to anything. I mean, they'd I mean they'd have their preferences, but they would. They would be they would be open to just about anything. Um, so uh, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, viable. Um, I really do. I just uh, I, I hope Oklahoma State. Just this speaking as a sixty year Oklahoman, I hope Oklahoma State has a good landing spot. And I can tell you, they got a quality athletic program. They're widespread. You know, they're fourth, the third or fourth. In NCAA championships among all schools, um, behind Stanford, UCLA, and it might be third. Anyway, uh, so they've got a they've got a quality athletic department and um, great facilities, and I, I hope they have a I hope they have a landing spot. The thing that really um, is a huge question mark for me is how much will the networks pay for a Pac-16, and how much more money will the other 12 get if they open their doors to Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas, you know, whoever it turns out to be. Yeah, Um, that's the biggest question. But I think that, yeah, I think the other thing that's happening here is you're right, the Big 12, if they do stick together, would be greatly diminished. So you've got CBS, Fox, and ABC slash ESPN. You've got three bidders chasing four big leagues. The Pac-12 ought to be worth more money, whether it's the Pac-12 or the Pac-16, simply because where do you go to get games? ABC ESPN has locked up the SEC and the ACC. So if you're the Pac-12 and if you're the Big Ten, you're like, well, guys, let's talk and bring your wallets. 
and your checkbook yeah. and your gold it's a card. Great point. It's a great point for this reason. You know, back in the, uh, in the 10, 11, 2010, 2011 turmoil, that became quite apparent is the networks wanted the Big 12 to survive when it looked mm-hmm. like it was going to implode 10 years ago. It wants as many conferences as possible. I mean... It's supply and the, demand. It's supply and demand. If, if, yeah, if the, if the Power Five had all banded together and sold their rights, that had been the worst thing ever for the, for the networks. Because then they'd be facing an NFL situation mm-hmm. where they're just sort of... At their mercy. they got no alternatives. Yeah. And, of course, the NFL has the greatest you know, television contracts of them all. So, um, so if we do get down to four major conferences, that would, that absolutely would help the, the PAC 12 with, with TV negotiations, no doubt about it. And somebody like a Fox could come in and say, you know what, we can, we can show games all day and, and uh, get us a bunch of good, good matchups and, and uh, rival, uh, some of these other games that that we're seeing, I as a just as a consumer of college football, one of my favorite things uh, on a regular basis is watching uh, Pac uh, twelve late night games. Come in from a game I covered, get home nine o'clock or something my time, and there's a there's a Pac twelve game kicking off. So I got to believe people all over all over America like to do that, and you know it, the Pac could literally go from you know, for 13, 14 hours a day. So I think that's a marketing, I think that's a solid marketing uh, mechanism for the pack. I'm the only one who thinks this, and I probably shouldn't say it on the radio because <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd is taping this. He can play it and be an idiot forever. But I've always thought that the Pac-12 should take Hawaii. They should take Hawaii Nobody in the Pac-12 likes playing those late-night games you're talking about. You get a late-night game in Oregon and Washington in the fall, and it's raining sideways. It's miserable. It can be snowing in Utah and Colorado. Hawaii would always play that late-night game. You only have to take them in football because they're in the Mountain West in football. They put all their other sports in the Big West. So they will take less money because they're not supporting. The, they're not in for the whole, the whole deal. And they'll play the late-night game because it's only 530 in Hawaii. And you only have to send a football team. You don't have to send a tennis team or a volleyball team out there. But it messes yeah, well. with the whole. It messes with the whole math of a sixteen-team league because I do think there's something to saying. Hey, we basically got four scheduling quads here, and Colorado, Utah, and the Arizona schools. You play each other every year. The California schools play every each other every year. The four Northwest schools, if they bring in four Big Twelve teams. You play them every year, and that leaves you – that's three league games. you got six more league games, and you've got 12 other teams. Well, you play a home-and-home with six of them, then you play a home-and-home with the other six. It's, it's pretty cut and dried. You know, it would, be a, it would be a bitter pill to swallow because Ute fans love having either USC or UCLA every year and beating them most of the time. And having grown up in Southern California and knowing season ticket holders at USC and UCLA – they're like, I hated going to Utah. I couldn't believe we lost that game. But I didn't mind seeing fill-in-the-blank rival, a UCLA fan. I didn't mind seeing USC going up there and lose. That was hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> Let me ask you. Let me ask you. And this is talking to somebody in Salt Lake City. So this, 
is basketball any kind of consideration in this discussion? No. No. <laughs> the money's gotten too big for football. And Utah had an awesome basketball tradition through Rick Majerus. I mean, they were in yeah, four Final Fours. I can't count the Sweet 16s they were in. Majerus did three in a row, and he did four in his decade. Jerry Pym, I think, did five in the late 70s and early 80s. And there were a slew of Sweet 16s. It was basically it's a 16 to 2014 tournament. When you get back to the 50s and 60s, the youths were literally good every decade. Every yeah. decade they were good. And right now, it's all about football. Chris Hill's retired now. But he's AD up there for 30 years. He was an assistant basketball coach briefly to Jerry Pym. And he was a high school basketball coach here. And he, and he worked for a nonprofit before he went up to the U.S. athletic director. And he's like, I'm a basketball guy. And I can't believe how it's flipped on his head. But I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about football driving the bus. Football drives the bus. So basketball, no consideration. Yeah. Now. I, one other thing before I let you go, Barry, I'm really um, curious about independence going forward because with this new 12-team playoff, Notre Dame ha- doesn't have to get in the ACC. They're like, we can get in the top 12 and get in this thing. BYU might be telling itself that. USC and Texas apparently have at least thought it. They haven't acted on it, but they've thought it. Do you think there's a chance we're going to see in the streaming universe more independence? Because why should a school that's got that big a fan base share that streaming money with anybody? Uh, It's a good point. And I can see, I don't think anybody's, you know, Brigham Young is not independent because it wants to be. It would rather be in a, in a major conference. Um, There's really yeah, I think Notre Dame, I'm sorry, Southern Cal and Texas, which is posturing. But so so nobody nobody does that willingly. But I do think independence might be a better path than a substandard conference. For instance, if Iowa State or West Virginia gets left out in the cold, they might be better off being an independent. And and um, then joining a you know, American conference or a uh, Mountain West or whatever the case may be. Brigham Young made that decision. It seems like a viable decision to me, um, and I think you might see that with somebody like a like a uh, a West Virginia or an Iowa State or somebody. Now, if you're Baylor or TCU, you're down there in Texas, you could hook up with Houston, uh, whoever else, that you might be better off in the American. I don't know. But independence could come back. It, you know, it, it almost independence almost died. I think at one point we were down to only Notre Dame as an independent, I think. and Maybe a service academy. To, yeah. yeah, now we're up to four or five, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and so I think it's, I think it's worth – talking about um no doubt about it i, th- I think uh and then, you know talking about brigham young if the big if the big eight i call them the big eight if the big 12 you know those eight decide to try to band and stay together they could do worse than adding brigham young um to me that would that would be, you know, the, the Cougars have a great following. 
they have that kind of, you know, you talk about streaming, you don't, you don't worry about cable households with Brigham Young. You talk about uh, potential eyeballs on streaming. Brigham Young brings that in a big time way. So I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a uh, something you, you cast aside. I think that would be an option if they decided to try to stick around and stay together and bring in somebody like a Brigham Young. Well, Barry, I appreciate the time you coming on again and uh, trying to figure out where all of this is going for uh, SEC in Oklahoma and Texas, and then subsequently for the eight schools left behind and the Pac-12 and BYU. It's it's interesting, if nothing else. Do, can you put odds on Oklahoma and Texas doing it? Are you like ninety percent sure they'll they'll make the jump? Are you sixty percent sure? Can you? I'm I'm going to say about eighty percent. I mean, I, Texas A and M is going to fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but, but the numbers else. might just be yeah the numbers might just be too heavy for for anybody to put up a big fight. Right. Um, you know, not nineteen extra million or whatever, sixteen million a year. That's a lot of money, and you know, lots of lots of things have happened in the last two months to push us in this direction. The NIL, the Supreme Court cases, um, some television decisions. A lot of things are, are pushing us this direction. Barry, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Okay, see you later. Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman, newsok.com, and a frequent guest here on the show is uh, from the Oklahoma City Thunder to uh, Big 12 realignment to Oklahoma and Texas moving. It's always, uh, it's always good to talk to him. All right, DJ and PK, we'll catch you up to date on everything you missed in this show. Next, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What have you missed if you're just tuning in? Oh, yeah, Trey Fitzgerald on at 7.30. Used to work for RSL, doing consultant and media work now. RSL, that was a bad result at home. They had a two-goal lead a half hour in. They were flying. They were playing great. They were creating chances. Sometimes the score lies. It doesn't really, you know, goals against the run of play and all that. No, they were far and away the better team. They deserved to be up by two goals. And what happened in the next hour? And it all got away. L.A. was the better team in the last hour. Narsell was fortunate to get out of there with one point. There were four. There was one more good chance for Narsell to score, and, and they hit the crossbar late. Anderson Julio uh, with a header um, off the crossbar. But L.A. had four other chances they didn't score on. Four. One, an open goal. Open goal. Keeper makes a great save, but he is on the ground at his left post. There's a whole goal to shoot at. And you don't put the ball on frame? Ooh, that was a gift from the Galaxy. They also hit the frame with a good shot. And Ochoa made an outstanding save. And, and another 50-50 ball, the keeper coming out. And the, the Galaxy guy just pulled off. I don't know what he was doing. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know. So there were plenty of chances for L.A. to win the thing. 
And for RSL, that is 10 points at home out of a possible 24. That's not good enough. You need, you need at least 16 to 18 points out of 24. You don't take them all at home. Everybody talks about it. Nobody does it. It's just something you say because you have to say it. But you need to average two points at home out of a possible three. So they needed 16, maybe 18, considering who they played at home. They won the first two games, and since then, they've got two wins over Vancouver at home. One was officially a road game because Vancouver's playing here, but it was in Rio Tinto. So with Trey on things not going well, and he said the sale by the end of the year, and a lot of people are looking at like October, November, the end of the season, so the new owner can come in, clean slate, do whatever they want. Cindy Bourne came on from the Washington Post, despite what you've read, uh, she does not believe the games could be canceled. I know that was a big headline this week. She thinks they are going to go on. Uh, athletes will have to bail out. It will affect competition at times, she said. But also there will be some of the stars of the game who will still be the stars of the games. Um, but there will be a lot of COVID stories going forward. We had David Locke on, Radio Jazz uh, play-by-play guy. And David gives long answers. They are in-depth. They are detailed. But I asked him a question. Actually, I made more of a statement. My theory. I presented him my theory to let him go in any direction he wanted. And he said yes, and he paused for dramatic effect. There were no details. There were no. The Jazz, we looked at them as a a young team for a long time. They are not a young team. Donovan is still on the young side. Everybody else is either in their prime or, as I once said of Matt Harpering, aging out the backside of his prime. But you get to that window where you're 31, 32, 33. You're leaving your prime. You could still be a vet, and you can still contribute, and you can still win, most importantly. But, and and Chris Paul's a great example of this, but you are not in your prime. You're probably slipping a little physically, and you're making up for it mentally because your basketball IQ just keeps skyrocketing. But you don't run as fast, jump as high, cover as much ground. So the Jazz have a four-year window now, and I think they need to be all in. And David corrected me and said maybe three. Donovan Mitchell, he's out of his rookie deal now. Going forward, he's in a five-year big-money deal. Now the critical thing to know is it's four years with a player option for the fifth year. Now, if, and we know this is just the way NBA works. Anybody who's got four years locked in can stamp their feet and demand a trade in three years when you get to that point. Now maybe with James Harden, that's going to actually shorten. We'll have to see. But it doesn't really change the point here. Rudy's 29. So whatever you're getting out of Rudy, you know, four years from now, he'll be 33. His ability to move will probably start to slip. Maybe like Carl Malone and Chris Paul and LeBron James, there's a handful of guys who are just otherworldly. They are bizarro athletes, and they cheat father time but there aren't many of those people. So Rudy, his ability to move that gigantic 7-1 frame with the 7-9 wingspan and fly all over the court and defend, and if you just need one play, block the shot at the end of the Dallas game after he got torched at the top of the key, but he recovers and gets to the backboard and blocks the shot anyway. It doesn't matter. His ability to do that is going to slip when he gets to 33, you would assume. So they got three to four years here. they got to be all in. they got to be all in every year. And Locke's point, and this was a good one, whenever you see the odds to win a championship, and it doesn't matter if it's Vegas odds or 538 or whatever, usually, unless you're the Warriors and you add Durant to a championship team, usually the favorite has like a 30% chance to win it. And somebody else has 20 and somebody else has 15. You stay in that group, 
The Bucks hit this year. It broke their way this year. Two years ago, they were in the group. It didn't break their way. Last year, they were in the group. It didn't break their way. Next year, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if you can stay in that group for three to four years, and the Jazz have now been in it for one year, they can stay in it for another three to four. Maybe they can hit. And maybe Donovan will re-up. Or maybe Rudy will play until he's 38 and dominate. Probably not. Go all in on this three to four year window. And if you got to blow it up and start over again at that point, well, blow it up and start over again at that point. And you can say, oh, no, that's terrible. Well, I haven't been here my whole life, but I've been here long enough. Jazz have blown it up and started over three times. And for the people here for the whole Stockton and Malone era, there were three distinctly different rosters. There's the group, and Big T was in it, and he's still here, and we can talk to him about this time. There's the group that was there in the late 80s that took the Lakers to seven games when Lakers were defending NBA champs and awesome. As Locke said, they were a super team. And the Jazz had them in a game seven but couldn't do it. It was a different group in 92 when they had the Blazers in a six-game series, and it was 2-2, and game five went to overtime. But they flipped that roster. Everybody except Benoit Stockton Malone, who was in that series in 92, was gone on opening day of the 93-94 season. And that was a different group with Hornacek and Russell that went to the Conference Finals in 96 and the NBA Finals in 97 and 98. Well, they also went to the Conference Final in 94. So rosters change. It happens. It'll suck in the moment. Guys will retire or leave as free agents or get traded. But they got to be all in for three to four years. And the day Joe Ingles goes, it'll suck. But life will go on. And the day Rudy goes, it will suck but life will go on. Same for Donovan Mitchell. Maybe he's a little better, and it'll suck for a couple days. But it'll go on. They had the Boozer-Williams run. Those were four fun years. Playoff games, couldn't get past the Lakers. But, man, they, they won 50, 50-plus. 50 they won playoff series, and it was a blast. And it's fun right now. And it should be fun for the next few years. But I think the Jazz, no more. This all came up because Locke talked about the Jazz trading out of the first round, possibly, and use that money on a veteran. And if that doesn't help them build to the future, I'm fine with that because they need to be all in on these next three to four years. All right. Then we had Barry Tramble on. He thinks 80% Oklahoma and Texas are going to go to the SEC. A $16 million raise from 44 to $60 million for the existing members. A $22 million raise for Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12 money, which is $38 million, to the $60 million-ish number we've heard reported. Now, do the other eight split and go their own ways? Did the Pac-12 swoop in and take four of them? It does open up those early TV windows. That's a positive. They aren't massive brand names. That's a negative. How will it match up with academics? Many of you don't care. But the presidents might, and that'll be a factor. Or do the eight stay together? And go get BYU and Houston, maybe Cincinnati and Memphis. It's a 10- or 12-team league. They're bigger than the Mountain West. Maybe they're bigger than the American. They're not bigger than the Pac-12 at that point. They're, they're the fifth-best league. But is that their best option? There are many questions and many meetings. Uh, if you missed any of this, you want to hear more, go to 1280thezone.com. Listen online. Everything's available there from all the shows all day long. We're back with your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, Craig Thompson. And when I talk to the football players, I'm going to say, guys, I understand it. You're American. It's your God-given right. You choose. Vaccinate. Don't vaccinate. But if you do not vaccinate, there is a cause and effect. There will be consequences. You will test. You will contact trace. You know, the coaches were even talking to the point that uh, I've got this player who's not vaccinated. Maybe I'll run him with threes and a fours because I don't know if he'll be good to go Saturday. And I got a guy who's a half step slower and two inches shorter, but he's vaccinated and I know he'll be able to play. So, son, jump up there and run with the ones and twos because you're on the plane. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Calls, tweets, and open mics. This is the best feedback of the day. This is why we lost the game. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time to give away some tickets to see the Utah Jazz in the Summer League. NBA action's back August 3rd, 4th, and 6th as Salt Lake City Summer League returns to Vivint Arena. Lower Bowl tickets start at just $12 to see the Jazz, Spurs, and Grizzlies compete. Visit slcsummerleague.com to lock down your seats today. We got uh, how many tickets you got, Lloyd? Four pack of tickets. 12 caller. Caller number 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Four tickets to the Summer League for free. Time for your feedback, Justin. Why can't Rudy Gobert do what Giannis did? Hey, oh, wait a minute. Sorry. <laughs> Let me get. <laughs> I was going to read that in proper English. Let me read it as it was tweeted. Why can't Rudy Gobert do what Giannis has did skills-wise? <laughs> well, I guess the answer would be Giannis has did what no one else has did. Where's PK when we can get a Carl Malone joke here? Right. Well, with Carl, that was a have did. That was in the past tense, to be clear. Uh, Giannis has did what no one else has did. KD is close, but he's different. I don't expect him to block the shots. I expect him to shoot from the perimeter, from the three-point line at a much higher rate than Giannis. So it's a little, a little different, but KD's really the only one who kind of sort of compares to Giannis, and, and they still have their differences. Giannis, his nickname is the Greek Freak for a reason. What Giannis <laughs> has did, <laughs> I went to college to do this. Can you believe that? Giannis, what he has did, like no one else can do that. I can't say has did one more time. No one else can do that. He's got a skill set. The handle the ball, the spin moves, just, nobody else has that. Nobody else has the size, the strength. Giannis has more strength than Rudy or Kevin Durant. He's got more athletic ability than other seven-footers. A guy like Lopez can learn to shoot the three. And he can put the floor on the ball a little bit. There's no chance he's going to the rim the way Giannis does. Antetokounmpo, (laughs) unbelievable. And he's a Greek freak. There's a reason. I mean, they just you look at all his talent and you just – you just label it a freak, you set it off to the side. Because you can't even expect other people to do that. Gobert is pretty freaky. You can't really expect anyone to block a shot the way he did against the Mavs to win the game. He's had a lot of phenomenal athletic plays, but I think that one sticks out. 
you know, to be at the three-point line and a guy with a great basketball move, a great fake, he beats you. And you spin, turn your back to the play, recover, get to the backboard, and get the block to win the game. Oh, I mean, Gobert's pretty freaky. But that still doesn't put you on the Giannis Antetokounmpo level. And Nowitzki's another seven-footer who could handle the ball, but he was different. Antetokounmpo, just one of a kind, unicorn. People want Porzingis to be that. Porzingis is a faint shadow of that. Other feedback. Brant says the answer to fixing college football is promotion and relegation. That's right. You heard me. Example, tie the Pac-12 to the Mountain West. Football only. Worst Pac-12 team goes down. Best Mountain West Commerce team goes up. Schedules and money can be figured out. It would work. I agree it would work. I also believe it won't work because they'll never try it. No. You're in the club. You're entitled. You stay in the club no matter how bad you suck. Right now, Kansas, and by right now I mean the last decade, Kansas, for a decade, has shown us that you can suck at a tremendous level. But why should you risk your birthright? You're Kansas. Would promotion relegation be more effective? Yes. Uh, But the people who have it, who are inside the Golden Circle, do not want to leave the Golden Circle. They like it. They're too much. And it's why we just had that thing in Europe where a handful of teams tried to make sure that they were always inside the Golden Circle. Form a Super League. And everybody else rebelled. But the fact is, people don't rebel. Maybe it would happen if everybody just stopped watching college football. But guess what? We don't want it to happen badly enough to stop watching college football. So it won't happen. And we'll continue to watch. And we'll continue to complain about it. The playoff has changed when we stopped watching. The BCS turned into a 14 playoff when the ratings sank. Now the ratings are sinking again. So they're considering a 12-team playoff. If you stop watching, they'll alter it. We're out of time. Hands of Scott here next. See you Monday. Looks like it's that time again. Can't help but think, where did the time go? So much fun. So little time. We'll be back soon. I promise. Goodbye.